Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Scared to Death. Hey, if you're here today, this is part four and the final part of our series called Scared to Death. We have been looking at what are the fears that kind of drive us? What are the fears that sometimes paralyze us? Because I don't know about you, but when I look at my life or I look at some of my friends' lives and I look at some of the maybe the worst decisions I ever made, it was because I was motivated by fear. I responded to my fears and made a decision based on those fears. And those fears always left me scared to Death, literally, it moved me into a place of death or destruction or negative consequences. Some regrettable experience uh, happened because I responded out of my fears. And we've been learning, like, what are those fears that drive us and how do we overcome them and what do we do? And that's what we really want to talk about today. What do I actually do? Last week, we talked about what you need to believe. We'll see a little bit of that today, but we'll also see what do I actually do when I am afraid? One guy had overcome his fear in a unique way. He was at church on a Sunday morning. It was a small little Southern Baptist church. And they're sitting there all just happy, pleasant, waiting for the service to begin. It's just about to begin. And a huge puff of smoke explodes. And then all of a sudden, before everyone is Satan himself. This is clearly a true story. Um, Satan, Satan is himself, you know, in all of his costume and gear right there in front of the congregation. And the entire congregation flips out. Freaks out, panics, screams, starts hitting the door. Everybody runs but one guy sitting up on the front row, really, really old guy, and he just doesn't move. And so Satan looks at him and says, man, don't you know who I am? He goes, yeah, 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 I I know who you are. And he goes, well, aren't you afraid of me? He goes, no, no, I'm, I'm not afraid. He goes, why are you not afraid of me? He goes, well, I've been married to your sister for 30 years, so that's just... So I saw say. So anyway, other people in life overcome their fears in different ways. Today, I want to teach you what to do with your fears, because here's here's what I've noticed just through kind of a casual observation. Like when I'm afraid or when I watch other people get really, really afraid, like this is what this is what we do. How many of you are like this? When you when, when fear hits you and something hits you that creates fear, you just go into like take control mode. Oh, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'll do that. And you just you just go into like, I will get control of everything that I possibly can. Um, others of us, depending on the type of fear it is, uh, some of us hide. When fear hits us, remember, remember when you were a little kid? Now you remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you got little kids, think about it. You ever done something and you know they did something they weren't supposed to do or you did something you weren't supposed to do and all of a sudden you just, you, you better keep quiet, you better go. You, you ever notice that with your kids? Like if all of a sudden your kids just kind of disappear and get real quiet, you get nervous, don't you? Like, Wait a minute, what are they doing? Or what has happened. So fear makes you hide. Um, sometimes it makes you run. Some of you are runners. Uh, you, you get afraid and you just, I'll just, I'll just leave. I'll just abandon ship. I'll just run away from my people, run away from my problems, run away from my issues. And, and there's fear there, but I'll just avoid it by running. Um, other people just sheer panic and, and get paralyzed and get locked up. They don't even know what to do. Uh, other people, I've seen this one before. Uh, how many of you, don't raise your hand. How many of you are den- denial people? Like fear hits your life, you're, you're in a mess, you're like, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Well, I mean, isn't, yeah, 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 I'm fine though, I'm fine. No, you're not fine. You're freaking out on the inside, but you're in denial because you think you're fine. Or, or this is what many of us do. 
We just go with our feelings, right? I feel afraid. I'll just go with it. I'll just go with my natural instinct. I'll go with whatever comes natural to me. And here's what we'll see. And this is where we all end up scared to death is that most of the time that we respond with our just natural instincts or our natural feelings, we always do something kind of dumb. Um, I was, uh, I was rafting this last summer and when you, when you go rafting, you know, they put the life vest on, they put the helmet on and they always, well, if they're good, they give you like an instructional period, you know, they give you a little training moment where they try to teach you some things like, okay, if you do this, do this. And if you, if you fall out and, you know, so I remember, you know, little Max got trapped underneath the tube for a little while and, you know, that's a little scary. And so, and then, you know, if you fall out, so it's, this is what he tells us though. He tells us, he goes, if you fall out and we were going through some, some kind of big rapids, he said, and you're in the rapids. This isn't like, you know, a little calm, you know, float along in your inner tube thing. This is like rapids. He said, if you get out of the water, there's this tendency that when you come up and you're at the top of a wave that you want to take breath. Don't do it. He said, actually, what you want to do is wait till you're at the bottom of the dip. And at the bottom, that's where you take your breath. Now, how many know that does not make sense? You're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right. And so because you know what? I, I got this. I got I, look, I've been rafting before. I have a bathtub. I got this. I know what I'm doing. And so sure enough, I get flipped out and then, and then, and then Vito tries to save me and then the boat goes the other way and he gets flipped out. And I've got a picture of him with his legs literally up in the air. It's awesome. And, and, and so anyway, but I'm in the water. I lose, that's the worst part of the whole thing is I lose my sunglasses. How many know you get a good pair of sunglasses and all of a sudden you lose them? So anyway, that was a bummer of the moment. But, but you do, you're in these rapids and, and sure enough, you come to the top and I go to do what? Why? Because you're afraid. You, you, you need oxygen. Everything within you says you need to breathe. And so you get to the top of this wave and you're like, <gasps> and you get smashed in the face with water because it's at the top of the wave that you get hit in the face. And you're like, man, why don't I just listen to people who know more than me? Why did I go with my natural instinct? And so sure enough, after one splash in the face, after, cause you know, when you go up to suck air and then water hits you, what happens? You suck water in and you're, and, you, and so you're like, you learn quick. I should not do what comes naturally to me. I'm going to wait and do what's counterintuitive. And when I'm at the bottom of the dip, I'm going to listen to homeboy, even though he's like 20, he's like a college kid, you know, but he's, but he's a rafting guide. You get to the bottom of the dip, <gasps> nothing hits you in the face. You get a full load of breath and you're fine and you make it out. You just lose your sunglasses. My point in telling you that story is that many of us, that, that's where we go with our fears. When it comes to our fears, we go into whatever feels most natural, whether it's take control or panic or run or hide or, or do whatever it is. And what I'm going to show you today is that you doing what you think is the smart idea may be the worst idea and you going with your instincts may be a disaster. And I don't know about you, but I've seen this with people's lives before. Like I was talking to a young woman and she was, she was young and she was sleeping with her boyfriend. She gets pregnant and out of fear, she runs out and gets an abortion because that's just, I don't know what to do and what if, and if they know and this and that, and what about the future and all. And, and she's, and so she did what other people advised her to do. And she did what panic and fear told her to do. And now she has this 
regrettable decision and lives with the grief and the aftermath of having an abortion. I know other people, they get into like a financial bind. Like, you know, all of a sudden, maybe you lose your job or financial, financial hit here. And, and, and all of a sudden you start, well, I'll just do this and this and this. And they go out and they make terrible financial decisions, all because they were motivated by fear. And in the panic, they just did what came natural. Like I know too, pe- too many people, when you talk to them and maybe they talk to you about their first marriage or they talk to you about what's going on in their marriage. Now they say, I just got married because I was afraid. And so I, I just, I just didn't know what else to do. And I thought that was what I was supposed to do. And I ended up marrying somebody that I probably, it just, and now it's hard and now it's difficult or that's the train wreck of my past or whatever it is, because I made a decision based out of what? Fear. So what do you do? We talked about what you ought to believe, but what do you do? And today we're going to read a story. Now, here's the deal. I need you to track with me. I left this message for today because you have an extra hour worth of sleep because I'm going to read the whole story. And the whole story is awesome and it's fascinating, but it's not a story that you're familiar with. We're going to find a dude with a weird name and a part of the Bible that you've never read before. But what he does is brilliant. And I want you to follow along and read this story with me and us discover what do we do with our fears. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20. And if you don't know where that is, um, there's a table of contents in the very beginning. Does that? Okay. So in Second Chronicles chapter 20, there's a king named Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. Yep, that's the only time I'm going to make you do that for the rest of the day. That's the guy with the weird name. This is his story, and what he's up against is real. Because sometimes in life, some of your fears are not real. Do you, do you, ever, you ever sense that? They're like, they're like worries about what might happen. And those are legitimate fears, and those fears still drive you to do terrible things sometimes. Jehoshaphat doesn't have an uh, ethereal fear or a what-if fear and a possible fear. He has a legitimate stare in the face. It's right there. This is a real thing fear, and this is what he does. If you are uh, got your Bible, read along. If not, it'll be on the screens. Verse number one says this. After this, which always means go read the chapter before, but we won't. After this, the Moabites... The Ammonites and some of the Meunites, weird people with weird names. The Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Now, now, if you don't know anything about history, let, let me give you the rundown. When Israel comes into the promised land, they slowly develop into a nation. But they end up having problems after two or three different kings. And they basically have a bit of a civil war and they split. There's a northern kingdom that's now called Israel. There's a southern kingdom that they call Judah. And there's two kingdoms. And this is the southern kingdom of Judah. And then what all these people are, the Ite people, the parasites, the, 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 the bad people from the Bible. They have gotten together collectively and built like a trifecta war to say, it's us three versus you. Let's get it on. So some people came and told Jehoshaphat, the king, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon tomorrow. And I love what the author did. He's like, it's in Getty. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Now, again, this is not a what if fear. This is not a possibility fear. This is a real deal in your face. Like the army's there. We have seen it. They have traveled. They have begun to move in position. Our scouts are like, yeah, boss, they're right there. They're there. 
can't pronounce where they're at, but they're there. And, and I, what do you, what do you want us to do? And so he, he does what we all should do. And what most of us do is he inquires of the Lord. He prays, he seeks God, and then he calls a fast. Now, I don't know about you, but like, here's, here's my experience with people. When, when fear hits, everybody prays, right? Like you believe in God, you pray. You don't believe in God, you try it just in case. I mean, just everybody prays when enough fear and panic hit your life. But he does something, I think, even more powerful. The Bible says that he inquires of the Lord. The literal translation would mean this. Is he turns in his heart to the Lord. Now, that sounds different, doesn't it? Because like I said, we all pray. I'm not saying he prayed. We, we all do that. I'm saying he did something unique. He, in his heart, turned to the Lord. Now, this is what we, we do when we're typically afraid. We pray, meaning we turn our mouth to the Lord, right? God, please, God, help, God, do something. But I don't always turn my heart to the Lord. Because typically what my mouth does is my mouth turns to God, but my heart stays gripped with fear. Can I get an Amen. That's why you still feel knotted up inside. You still feel worried. You still feel stressed. You still, hey, do you, do you do this? This is proof that you probably didn't turn in your heart to the Lord. And you didn't do everything that Jehoshaphat does. Do you role play with your fear? Like you, you, you have fear, but then you kind of like imagine things and picture things. And then you like have imaginary conversations. And you do, you're like, and, and here's my experience with me. I don't know if everybody does this, but normally when your fear gets to going, Your imagination takes you to the worst case scenario of what could happen. Is that true of everybody else in this room? So we're all normal. Okay. So, but, but what Jehoshaphat does, I think he recognizes this. What he recognizes is, is there's an army that I can't beat. There's a war that I can't win and I don't know what to do. I am so afraid that I can't just pray and say, God help. I need more than that. He turned in his heart to the Lord and then he declared, A fast. Now, here's what you need to know. Fear is a form of focus. I don't know if you know that or not. Because when you're afraid, what are you constantly focused on? That which made you afraid. And so all of your mind is that. Well, guess what? Fasting is a form of focus. And so what Jehoshaphat does is he says, I I have no answers. I have no idea what to do. I am incapable of taking this thing on all by myself. And so I'm just going to turn in my heart to the Lord. And I'm going to put not my focus on my fear. I'm going to fast and put my focus on the Lord. Let's keep reading. I'm going to have to be careful. I don't lose my space. This is a lot of scripture here. So. Verse four, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord and in front of the new courtyard. I don't know why that was important. In front of the new courtyard and said, now this is his prayer. Are you ready? So they pray, they seek God, they fast, but then they all get together as a people, as a nation, as a, as a group. And this is what he does. Now, most leaders, I don't know if you know this or not, but most leaders have a temptation of like always putting on a good face, of always acting like they've got it together, of always giving you the appearance that they have a solution and they have an answer. Do you ever, you ever feel that from most leaders? I love the authenticity of his heart and what he does. He doesn't get up and do anything but pray publicly with the people. And I'm going to tell you, listen to me, for those of you who who have any notion to pray, you need to pay attention to this prayer because we're going to talk about it. This is a dope prayer. Are you ready? Let's keep reading. The Bible says in verse six, this is his prayer. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule all or over all the kingdoms of the nations. 
Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now here, please stay focused here on this prayer. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now listen to that last statement of that phrase. That, that might be the best part of the whole thing. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. As a matter of fact, we all need to say that. Everybody say that. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. See, I'm telling you, there's a temptation sometimes as a leader to get up and be like, here's what we're going to do. And we start taking control. Or maybe we just run and hide. Or maybe we just do everything within our power. But he doesn't. He begins by praying and fasting and seeking God first and foremost. Because he knows, I don't have answers. What an incredible leader. Have you ever had a leader get up and just tell you, hey guys, I don't have a clue. Wouldn't you lack a little bit of confidence in that guy? But I'm telling you, I think what he does is brilliant and it's totally authentic. Hey, I just want you to know, I'm, I'm at a loss here. I, I got nothing. I, I don't even know. So he, here's what we're going to do. We're going to seek God and we're going to turn to God because in reality, this is what I think Jehoshaphat knows. Even if I do everything, whether panic, run, hide, take control, do whatever is instinctually right by me, we're still going to die at this point. And so rather than try to put on a happy face and rather just try to act like I've got everything together, let's just, let's just be real. If God doesn't save us, I don't know what's going to happen. But because of that, I'm going to let you know, we don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, but our eyes are on God. And maybe, just maybe, that'll be enough. See, there's a temptation sometimes as like a parent, like if you're a mom or a dad, to like put on that face to your kids sometimes. Like, because like most of the stuff that your kids are afraid of, you're not afraid of anyway. But every once in a while in life, like something hits you and then they notice that something's wrong and they notice you're worried and you're stressed. And they're like, mommy, what's wrong? Your daddy's wrong. Oh, nothing. I'm fine. Are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid. And you try, especially dads, you try to be like tough. Like, no, I'm not afraid. No, you're the denial guy now. Rather than tell your kids that you never get afraid, which is a lie. And rather than put on a happy face and rather than say, I always know what to do. You know what the best thing that you could teach your kids is? Hey, sometimes I get afraid. And sometimes I don't even know what to do. But I know this. I may not know what to do, but I do know where to turn. And if you will teach your kids how to respond to fear, they will be way better off and way better prepared than getting down the road and just always assuming that daddy was afraid of nothing. So let's talk about this prayer real quick here. The the power of this prayer is awesome. And I'm going to take a moment to talk about this real quick here. Jehoshaphat prays differently than you and I pray. And I think you need to take a lesson from here. There are three key phrases that he puts into his prayer that are awesome. But I'm telling you, they're kind of bold and they're a little bit risky. And you better do this with some reverence. But he says three phrases. If you want to put these up for me real quick here. Everybody say, are you not? 
This was the first part of his prayer. I don't know if you notice this or not, but when, when Jehoshaphat starts praying, and this is a big public prayer thing. This isn't like, God, and it's just him in a personal little moment. This is public. And he says, God, are you not? You need to have some of these in your prayer. And I'm going to tell you what he did that was so bold and a little bit audacious. Be careful. But what he does is this, is when he prays, he leverages the character and nature of God with his prayers. Like, God, you are powerful. I know you know that, but I'm just putting that on front street. You're powerful. God, you can do all things. God, you're kind. God, you're merciful. God, you're loving. I just want to put that out there. Because I'm going to ask for something in a minute. And I just need everyone to be reminded, maybe even you a little bit too, that when I ask for this, it's something you can totally deliver on. And you, you, you ought to because you're kind. And you ought to because you're generous. And he gets really, really right that fine line of saying, I just want you to know that your character and nature are so awesome that I'd like to leverage that. Because I have a big request coming up. In just a moment, the next part of his prayer. So he goes through in his prayer. If you reread it on your own, he goes, are you not? And he begins to list the character and nature of God. Now, the next question is, have you not? Everybody say, have you not? Okay, like you had an extra hour of sleep last night. Everybody say, have you not? Oh, that's awesome. Have you not? So the second part of his prayer, he gets down halfway through his prayer and he goes, have you not? And then he goes on to list all the things that God had already done. So not only am I going to leverage your nature against, you know, or with my prayer, I'm going to leverage your history in my prayer because God, I don't know if you know this or not, but I read the books and I read the history and I read the story of Israel and you've done this before. Like there's this one time that like, you know, Moses and they're getting out of Egypt and there's an army and you split the Red Sea. And then there's this other time and he starts just listing all the things that God had ever done. Hey, hey, do you remember that one time? And, and, and then do you remember, do you remember the one time? And then do you remember the other time? And remember how you did all these kinds of things for other people? Cause in a minute, I just need that to be out there. I need you to be reminded that you've done this before. That's pretty bold, isn't it? Like that takes some audacity, but here's, here's what I need you to know. He's not the only guy that ever prayed like that. Go read the prayers of Abraham. Abraham does the same thing. Go read some of the prayers of Moses. Moses does the same thing. Because we try to get all cute and pretty with our prayers. Like, Lord, if it is your will, would you please? But if you don't, okay. Amen. And listen, and we talked about that last week, that we need to believe that God is able, but even if he doesn't, so that's there. But I want you to know that when it comes to praying, that he goes ahead and leverages everything, the nature of God, the history of God. And I'm telling you why I think God, because even in the New Testament, people did this with Jesus. There's a Canaanite woman who comes and Jesus disregards her prayer request. She is so obnoxious. She just stays with it and keeps arguing with Jesus. Do you know what Jesus finally did? Okay, fine. There's a story that he tells about a widow who's so persistent. And he tells a parable about a widow who goes to a judge and just keeps hounding the judge over and over and over. And then he goes, how much more would your heavenly loving father not want to answer your prayer request? But like, sometimes you got to be a little bold, a little audacious, a little persistent. You got to lay it out on the line. You might as well leverage the nature of God, the history of God, and just go for it. And so the last part of the prayer is this. Will you not? Everybody say, will you not? So he goes, are you not? Have you not? Now I'm going to go for the big ask here. Will you not? And he goes on to say, will you not do something great? Will you not do some? This is how you pray, people. 
And I'm telling you this is that God honors his prayer. And I believe this. I believe God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Like little prayers, I don't think really honor God. Like asking for tiny little things, I think God loves you and so he's still willing to hear your prayer. But I think when you pray big, what it shows is, is God, I believe you're capable of big things. I believe that it's in your power, that it's in your might. You gotta remember, I know your nature. I know your divinity. I know your history. And I'm going to leverage it all. My kid did this to me the other day. And, and, and I don't know if you know this about like, like the way kids are. Sometimes they will leverage things against you as a parent to try to get you to do. And so my kid knows that I don't want him hopped up on caffeine. Right? Because my kids are crazy when they're on caffeine and sugar and all this stuff. And so my son, he's so, he's so sweet. And now look, if, if you come to me and you're like, yo, dad, can I get this? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. Go to your room. Leave me alone. I'm not like that much. But what, but what my son does is, because I think we're at a restaurant, I think we're at maybe like In and Out Burger or something like that. He goes, Dad, may I please have some of this caffeine free Sprite? How do you say no to that? Like he's leveraging it all. He's like, he's being nice. He's being kind. He put a little sugar on that thing. And he's saying, and it's even, it's even caffeine free. And I'm like, how do you, how do you not smile and just say, yeah. And, and this is, this is what he, the, 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 my kids typically don't know is my wife is even worse than I am. If you butter up my wife and ask her for anything, she's like, okay. I'm telling you, there's something about leveraging it all for when you go for the big ask. And that's what they did. They said, look, we're going to pray a big, bold prayer. We're going to lay it out on the line because we got no other chance, no other hope anyway. But we're going to leverage everything. I'm telling you, these guys prayed differently than how most of us pray. And they have some pretty bold prayers. Let's keep reading. So we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You need to write that down today. If you're taking notes, you need to underline that in your Bible. If you have that, that's a powerful phrase. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Next verse, verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood and waited before the Lord. Now here's what's interesting. I don't know how long they waited, but that's not what we typically do, is it? Have you ever done this? Have you ever prayed like, God, take control. God, I give you everything. God, would you please? And then as soon as you say amen, you get up and start going to do stuff to fix whatever it is that's making you afraid. Like that's what you do because you got to go back into what I'll pray and seek God. But really, I'm going to go do everything I do instinctually to take care of and resolve all my fears. And they didn't do that. They prayed. I We're just going to wait on God to do something. And they just stood and waited. That's typically not what we do. Let's keep reading here. Verse number 14 says this. Verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. This is the local prophet, the prophet of the nation. Next verse. I want to read is basically all of his dad's dad and dad and grand. This is his uncle. He tells the whole family tree. Verse 15 says this. The spirit of the Lord came on the prophet and the prophet said, listen, King Jehoshaphat. So remember, Jehoshaphat worshiped, he prayed, he sought the Lord, but then they just waited. And eventually the prophet spoke. God, God put it on his heart to say these words. Listen, King, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Do not be what? 
afraid. What are we talking about? Our fears. What were they looking at? Three armies, not one. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Somebody needs to underline this part. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Let's say that phrase real quick. For the battle is not mine. It's God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. What? Excuse me. I thought we were going to pray and fast and seek God and God was going to do something miraculous. You mean you want me to actually get together and go march over there tomorrow? March down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of some place. You will not have to fight this battle. But take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord or see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Didn't you already tell me this? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Do you know what the ultimate answer for your fear is? Because what you and I really want is a solution. And what God thinks is most important is his presence. Like what you want is for God to fix it. But what you really need is for God just to show up. Does that make sense? Because there are, there are times in our life where, where, you know, even if the fix came, we're just going to move on to the next fear. Even if God created a solution for this one, you're just going to be afraid the next time around. It, it, you're, this is what I've discovered. People that battle fear and deal with fear, it's just one thing after the other and they live in constant rotating cycles of fear. And your answer is not just one more solution because the problem with you getting one more solution is, is when you get on the other side of that, you're just going to be afraid again. And so the answer to your fear is not the solution. Really what you need is more awareness of the presence of God in your life. Let's keep reading here. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the other people and them people stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa and they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, now this is Braveheart time, right? So like, remember where the king gets up and acts like everything's cool and like, I got this. I'm in control. I've got solutions. We're going to be just fine. He doesn't do that in the beginning. What does he do in the beginning? He prays, he fasts, he prays, he fasts, he worships, he waits. Okay, but now we're ready. Now I know that God's presence is with us. So now I'm going to give you my best brave heart speech. Are you ready? So he says, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord, your God. And you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing. Wait a minute, man. I thought we were marching out and fight. I thought God was going to deliver. Man, now you got us, you got all the dudes singing songs. Some, some of you dudes would never win this battle. Y'all come up into church and you let your wife sing. You're like, maybe y'all got like a foot tap. You need to sing. And this is what they sing. So, so after consulting the people, he sends out the men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they, they went out ahead of the army. Wait a minute. You're telling me that you had a choir and you had an army, but you sent out the choir first. You let me. And it was a dude choir. You know, it wasn't like the lady choir or the kids choir or a combo. You had a dude choir and, a, and an army and you sent out the dude choir. 
What? Just food for thought. We'll get back to it. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. Are we sing that song? Where do you think we got that from? We make that up. As they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord, this is where the God shows up. The Lord sets ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were living in Judah and they were defeated. I'm going to tell you how that happens in just a minute. Because here's what I need you to do. If you're taking notes, there's four things I need you to write down. Four things that I need you to get your attention on this story and what really goes on here. There are four things that you need to do. Everybody say do. There are four things that you need to do when it comes to how, how you overcome your fear. And these are the four things I only talk about. Everybody say worship. Uh, this is what they do. They set their heart upon the Lord when they were afraid. They didn't try to go and just do what became natural and instinctual and take control and run and panic and hide. and just. They just said, hey, this is what we need to do. We need to set our heart upon the Lord and we need to worship. Now, when they worshiped, had God done anything? No. Had God defeated anyone? No. Had, had anything changed in their circumstances? No. So when they worship, what changed? Nothing. But here's what I know what happens, though. Even though when they worship, none of their circumstances changed, when they worship, they changed. Because worship changes your perspective and it helps you take all of your fears and then lay it in the light of all that God is. Because when you really, really worship God, then all of a sudden your fears have to kind of surrender to the fact that this is who God is. You get into the are you nots and the have you nots when you worship God. Have you noticed that? And so all of a sudden you lay your fears against everything you know about the greatness and the goodness and the power and the wonder of all that God is. And and here's where your fears just get a little bit smaller. But most of us do the opposite. When we focus on our fears, typically our fears make us reduce God down to the size of our biggest problem or our greatest fears. So God is no longer big. God is right there on the same level as my problem. And I don't know if God can overcome this. And I don't know if God's going to come through. But worship makes you think differently. Number two is this. Everybody say, wait. That lacks some gusto. You're like, that's not doing anything. Yes, it is. Everybody say, wait. Because most of us, what we do is, is whenever fear hits us, that's when we go and make our greatest blunder. That's where we go and make that dumb decision. That's where we respond out of the fear and then do something terrible. We respond out of our fear and say something awful. And we do things that we end up regretting. And what God, now I'm not saying be like irresponsible, but what I'm saying is, is be patient and wait. Don't have a knee jerk reaction to go out and fix everything on your own. You can't pray and trust God that he's going to come through for you. And then you, because some of us do that. We're like, Jesus, will you? And I believe and you can. Are you not? Will you not? Amen. Okay, now maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'm going to go fix everything on my own now. And I want you to wait. Number three is this. I want you to walk. Isn't that what they did? They're like, all right, we just, we just got to go out now. And he, and he, hey, he, he sent the choir before the army. Remember? Here's, here's what I need you to know about this. Sometimes God in your fears is going to give you direction. And sometimes the direction that he gives you, the steps that he gives you, the thing that he actually wants you to do will be counterintuitive. Sometimes he'll ask you to put the choir before the army, which doesn't make any sense. But he said, do it anyway. And your greatest act of faith in all of life. Please listen to me and write this down if you're taking notes. Your greatest act of faith in life is just simple obedience to God. Sometimes we'll hit a circumstance in life and you'll be, I prayed, I worshiped, I waited. And I really think this is what God wants me to do. And I just want you to walk out there in obedience and do it. And the fourth one, everybody say, watch. Watch. Because at some point you got to sit back and say, okay, God, I believe 
you're actually going to do something. And look at what God does. Let me read the verse. So it doesn't make sense until you read it all. It says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. But by who? The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir. Remember, there was three people groups. The two of them all of a sudden get into a fight and an argument with the third one, and they start fighting each other. So that they destroy and annihilate them. And after they finish slaughtering the men of Seir, they help then to destroy one another. So God does something. I don't, we don't even know what it is. All we know is, is that three armies came against us and then somehow God brought about a division amongst their own ranks and their own king and their own peoples. They turn on each other and start fighting and killing one another. Do you know how many people Judah fought? None. So, so let's, let's, so they destroyed one another. Verse 24. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and they looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies laying on the ground. No one had even escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could even take away and carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to pick it all up. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka. Where they did what? They praised the Lord. Verse 27, then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God. This is the whole point of the story anyway. The fear of what? Who were they afraid of to begin with? Yeah, we don't know their names. People with weird names. Parasites, ites, ammonites, moabites, mesmerites. Weird people, three of them. That's who they were afraid of. Did they have every reason to be afraid? Yes. It was a real army. There was three of them. There was more of them than there were of us. Had every reason to be afraid. Did they panic? No. They worshipped. They turned their heart towards God. They prayed. They sought God. They prayed. They worshipped some more. They sang some songs. They sent the choir out before the army. And they waited and they watched to see how God would deliver. But the end result is this. It says, then the fear of God came upon who? All the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Have you ever wondered why? Why did God even pick Israel and say, you're my people and I'm going to roll with you? You're my people and I'm going to... It was so that Israel would be a microcosm. Israel would be an example. Israel would be a light into the world to say, hey, this is the people that show you how you know God. And because of what God did for them, fear of the fear of the Lord came upon all the surrounding areas. This is what the whole point is, is the way you fight your fears is with the fear of God. And when you fear God more than you fear the thing that you fear, I'm telling you, you're not controlled by your fears. You're not dominated by your fears. You're not paralyzed by your fears. You don't respond to those fears and make terrible decisions that lead to death, destruction, and negative outcomes. You are now overcoming because the fear of God trumps all the other fears. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes right now, because here's what I want you to do. There are some of you who are very aware of what you are afraid of. Some of you like feel it on a regular basis. Some of you worry and stress and you rehearse and you use your imagination and you go over it in your head and you re- it's just on it. And you, you know what it is. Others of you, some of you are unaware of your fear. Some of you, you fear poverty and you wonder why you make those decisions. You wonder why you became a workaholic. You wonder why that you fear intimacy. 
So you reject people. You fear failure. So you don't even try. You fear being left out. And so you compromise your integrity. You compromise who you are just so that you can be accepted and fit in. Some of you fear authority. And so you rebel and kick back and refuse to have a heart that submits to God even. We all have fears. And what I want you to do is I want you to have a moment. I want you to have a personal time of prayer this morning where you say, God, this is my fear and I give it to you. This is my fear and I give it to you. I don't want to be controlled by it anymore. I don't want to be influenced by it anymore. God, I want to follow you and to fear you more than I fear anything else. Would you take that moment and pray? Dear God, I pray that as a people, that we would walk out of this place so confident knowing that your presence is with us. So confident knowing that not only is your presence with us, but God, you are able to handle anything that we face in life. God, I pray that we walk out of this place knowing that, God, you have never once given us a spirit of fear and intimidation. But, God, you have given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so, God, help us to come out of this place and come out of this series and, 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 and move forward in life, being overcomers, being the people that fear not because we fear you more than anything else, God. We want to say yes to you above all else, God. And so, God, the next time we feel this sense of fear, God, I pray that we don't go into panic mode or run mode or hide mode or take control mode, God, but we go into a mode where we turn our heart towards you, God. We begin to worship and pray. We begin to wait. We begin to watch and see what it is that you do. God, I pray that we would walk out of here a different people, a people that when fear hits us, God, we just respond differently because of who you are. Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.